Hey, party people, have you joined our Discord server yet? You can meet fellow party people and interact with our cast and crew to talk about all things Encounter Party, both this first Ravnica campaign and our new campaign, which is a television show available on the Dungeons & Dragons Adventures channel. To learn more, head on over to our website at EncounterParty.com or check the links in the show notes. Now, enjoy this episode of Campaign 1 of Encounter Party. Warning, our show features very strong language and graphic depictions of violence, so listener discretion is advised. Last time on Encounter Party! A fight breaks out in the penthouse of Mr. Alfonso III as our players rush to save him from the diabolical Demir Guild. As the machinations of House Demir begin to unravel, the mystery of Malthus Reed grows ever deeper. Was he another pawn of the Guild of Secrets, or has he been using them for his own nefarious ends? What secret project was Malthus Reed working on, and can our players escape the quarantine to investigate? Find out this week on Encounter Party! Alrighty, nothing makes more work for a dungeon master than splitting the party, so thank you very much for that. <laughs> um, the carnage from last night has revealed a few unsettling things. The elf concierges from downstairs were corrupted in the same manner as Mr. Alfonso's security team was. Also, the other two Demir agents have a strange physiology that at least four of you have never seen before. Perix and Lorzach have agreed to transport the bodies back to Zonit 4, uh, hoping that the Simic doctors there might be able to discern the difference between these elves and the orbs' corruption, because they are two different things now. Uh, as for the rest of you, you have an appointment to keep with Malphus Reed's second researcher. So, Xenia, Fikara, and Lennox, you guys will make your way over to the is it Research Laboratory? Um, as you enter the front uh, hallway, you see the same elderly, disgruntled goblin who's working behind the counter. Um, she confirms your appointment with a bit of a huff and admits you inside. Now, if you thought the pump station was loud, you are not prepared for the inner workings of an is it Research Laboratory. Uh, your body is literally pulled in different directions because there is like a, a static electricity generator on your left and then like belching valves of, of hot and cold steam on your right that are just sort of warbling away. Um, an administrator will come down and greet you on the lower catwalk and she will lead you through this maze of piping and steam and glass tubes and heat and cold and shock and sound, and just vibration with every step. It's like all known areas of physics are just swirling around inside of this building um, without any sort of choreography. For example, you pass by a human male on your right who seems to be calibrating some kind of small gauge on one of the pipes. And as you pass by him, he will take notice of you. Um, but when he turns, you can see that like half of his face He's just severely scarred from some type of burning accident, perhaps from steam itself. Further down, as you guys are traversing inside the lab, 
you will hear this very loud pop, and then a weird flash of light will arc from around the corner. And after a moment, you see this frizzled, raggedy man just come rushing toward you and basically tackling this administrator, just like pelting her with questions with this, what year is it? What year is it? And um, after, after she just kind of very politely tells him what year it is, he starts to lose his mind even more with just, no, too far back. I've come too far back. You have to warn everyone in 300 years, the bees, the bees. And, and then he just, uh, he just goes rushing off down the corridor. <laughs> um, and then like 20 paces later, you hear the same pop and you see the same flash of light. And then the same guy comes running around the corridor in front of you. He looks similar, but somehow different. And again, just rushes up to you with, have you seen anyone around here who looks like me? Yes, I, I, I know, I know, but I have to warn him. It's not the bees, it's the flowers. Oh God, the flowers were behind everything. And then, and then he just goes rushing up down the corridor. Um, and this kind of thing just sort of passes for normal around here. I've had I would like to investigate the bees. Fuck whatever story we're in. <laughs> I've had enough of this tomfoolery. It's, it's 300 years in the future, it doesn't matter. Um, so eventually after about a 10 minute walk, you are led to the top floor of this complex. Now, folks at the top floor of an is it lab are not very nice peoples. Their time is invaluable to them. So nobody's even going to give you a first look. You are led into an important looking office that is cleverly bathed in blue and red light bulbs for whatever reason. There are comfortable places for you to sit down and wait. One of the cool things about is it design is this sort of Renaissance chic. It's like uh, like a mix between steampunk and art nouveau that kind of inspires their fabric. So there's just, you know, the room is just blue and red and, and occasionally some yellow. You don't have to wait long for whoever you're supposed to meet to come back. Um, she she kind of just walks in without even acknowledging you. She has a clipboard in her hand and she's awkwardly shifting back and forth between the light from these bulbs. Um, and Zenny... Xenia, you can pretty quickly ascertain that whatever it is she's re she's reading, the text would be revealed by different colors of light. So she has this sort of awkward waltz as she's trying to finish reading uh, what's in front of her before she actually takes a seat at her desk. She doesn't look up at you. She just kind of raises one eyebrow and asks what could possibly be so important that she needs to waste her time for it. Are you Malthus Reed's assistant? She looks, she finally kind of looks up at you and she says, I am the second researcher. She is a woman of dark skin. Oh, she black? I say, what's up, sister? <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> um, but what, uh, what you can see over the top of her skin is actually even darker, almost scorch marks, um, sort of like a, a Looney Tunes explosion that kind of hits her face. But perhaps it's happened so many times that every exposed piece of her skin just sort of has these weird, like residual blast marks. Um, her fro is thrown back in a way that isn't necessarily stylized, perhaps just the front of it has been burned off so many times it doesn't really grow anymore. Um, she has the attitude of a woman who is much smarter than you would ever know or even admit. And the fact that you threw the word assistant at her does not start off your meeting in a good light. She says, my name is Lufola Sen. I am the second researcher here. 
I am no one's assistant. My apologies, Madam Sen. Please forgive my ignorance. We are here to ask you questions about your colleague. Yes, somebody said that I had to pay attention to Malthus Reed for the fourth time today. Malthus Reed is dead. She takes a second to kind of read your faces, not even wondering if you're lying, and then she just kind of laughs. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, how did it happen? He was dismembered. Murder circus. A Rakdos murder circus. <laughs> oh, I hope it hurt. I'm sure it did. Now, one of the things that you, Tenya, would know is that there's not a lot of love lost between people in the Izzet. A lot of people stand in a lot of people's ways. And it's very clear that the way that she interpreted the term assistant and kind of bitterly says second researcher that she really is not a really big fan. And she goes, so Malthus Reed is dead. Oh, this is the best news I've heard in a long time. So now what do you want me to do about it? He stole an object. We were wondering if you could shed any light on why. She says, well, <laughs> if you're talking about stealing, this is the is it. And she kind of looks at you, Zanny, and she says, nobody steals. People just discover. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. She kind of... Um, That's not how the law works. Yeah, she, she kind of... Um, she suddenly starts to get maybe a little bit serious at you, um, Eddie, and she kind of says, is this, is this an official investigation? Yes. I show her my badge. Yes, and she kind of looks at you, Xenia, and says, is she in your custody? Oh, no. No, I'm just along. These are my companions. They are here on official business with me. So she kind of like puts down this clipboard that she's been looking at in between conversations and now decides that whatever this is, perhaps uh, this needs to be her primary focus. And she isn't necessarily nervous. She's just calculating and you can see her eyes kind of continually looking for more data and more information. I hope by you being here that you understand I had nothing to do with this. I have not seen Malthus Reed for days. You are not a suspect as of yet. So if the Rakdos killed him in some sort of crazed festival, A, what a moron. I don't know what he's wasting his time there for in the second place. And B, you already know who murdered him. So what is the problem? We are not here to find out who murdered him. We are here to find out what this item is that he stole and why. We believe that this orb is connected to a series of incidents where people were transformed into ravenous beasts committing atrocities. We also believe it is linked to a hideous monster that has unspeakable power. And we want to know why he was involved. Whatever Malthus Reed was involved in has nothing to do with me, and I don't know. He didn't even want this job to begin with. All I know is Malthus Reed, before he came to this compound, was working on some big project with massive funding that was approved years ago by the Firemind. That research was halted for whatever reason, and I know he was mad about it because he'd grumble about it into his brew every day. And when the former master researcher of this particular plant retired, it was expected that I would have the job. But out of nowhere, this asshole, Malthus Reed, marches in here. The fire mine hand gave him this job by one request, and he doesn't even do what he's supposed to be doing. I have been running this facility for three years. 
Malthus Reed has not done a damn thing. Master researcher my ass. The no, only thing that I see he does is he disappears every once in a while down to the power grid and just sits there staring at it like some sort of catatonic imp. And now apparently he disappeared, snuck out of the research facility for God knows what, but then got his body ripped up by a Rakdos Circus freak. That was more very clean slices, but yes. Oh, well, that's a pity because I was kind of hoping it would hurt. Oh, I'm sure it was not pleasant. He was alive when it happened. Great. My job has not changed. My responsibilities have not changed. I just think it would be appropriate if I would be given the title that I actually hold here. Well, Madam Researcher. Madam Master Mistress Researcher. She kind of looks to the Azorius and then looks to the Izzet as this sort of like, oh Christ, a Boros goon. She goes, if you want to take some time to formulate the words that you should have known since kindergarten, I certainly have all the time in the world to wait for you. <laughs> Dang. Do you have access to his office? No. Safe access. He did not hold an office. This is the master researcher's office. And as you can see, I am here. And my stuff is here. And I run the show. I'm telling you, for whatever reason... Malthus Reed asked the Firemind directly to be given this post and then didn't do the job. What was he doing? I don't know. He wasn't doing anything. The only thing that I know that he was doing was that he would constantly go down for hours at a time and just sit in front of the power display array. Can you tell us a little more about the power display array? She says, yeah, we can go take a look if you want to take a look. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Okay. So she is going to lead you guys down to some sort of display array to look at some particular things. Meanwhile, over at Zonnet number four. Meanwhile, at the Zonnet four, the super friends gather. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lorzach, Perix, carrying these two grotesque bodies of the former elven twins. Four bodies? Four bodies, oh. two operatives and two elves. Take two. Lorzach and Perix carrying four bodies apiece. I need strength checks. I was going to say, can, can we have gotten <laughs> help? Oh, oh, I, I figured we would have fashioned a sled out of, say, out of a discarded cloak or two. Or, or okay. a cart? So you guys, you guys are just dragging these bodies through the streets. They're covered. Yeah. They're, are they? They're on a thing, and we are you know, taking. You know, I would say this is also, by the way, a guild function. So it's not out of the ordinary to see a Golgari dragging body. Yeah, I feel I like, <laughs> and I feel like if the Simic yeah. is carrying anything that's humanoid, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm gonna say, given the state that we are in, a Simic slash is it research facility? Nobody's really. This is probably far from the weirdest thing that they've yeah, seen. Yeah, for sure. There this, was a guy yelling morning. about bees <laughs> from this morning. So <laughs> you guys managed. I do need to see some sort of strength check just for the sake of uh, of time. Ten. Ten? Five. Oh, okay. <laughs> it takes you guys a lot longer than you were hoping. Uh, <laughs> you waste you waste most of the morning going, eh, let's go, let's go 20 yards and stop. Let's take a deep breath, go 20 yards and stop. It takes like, part of you were going, man, I really wish we had just brought the Minotaur with us. <laughs> 
<laughs> why did when we when we said, oh, let's take four bodies to the Zonit this morning, did we not go, maybe we should grab the Minotaur? At least one of these is hollow. How could they possibly weigh this much? <laughs> yeah, who are you missing now, motherfuckers? Um, but eventually you do get there. And as, as you kind of approach within eyesight of the Zonit, there are several sentries out there, members of the Simic who can come and assist you, as long as you're willing to let them touch these things. And Lorzach will warn them immediately that one should be basically taken into protective custody okay. before being examined. And he'll okay. indicate- Or restrained of some kind. Exactly. Yeah. That there should be a protective security detail surrounding this one because it might just be inert and not deceased. And this is the Demir agent who still face. has the plug inside yeah, him. Yeah, face smashed in, but has the plug. But has the plug. Okay. So, um, you guys uh, get it in, and and they're still recovering from. You know, it's going to be a while before things kind of get back to normal after the the events um, in the Zonit underground, uh, underwater. But um, you are approached by a couple of people that you um, remember seeing um, familiar faces of some doctors and some sentries. Parrix, you know these people, and you kind of give them the information of what's going to happen. At this point, um, you guys have developed a certain rapport with the Zonit that um, they kind of trust that you know more about what's going on in any particular situation than they do. Zavi approaches and, you know, kind of questions what you guys are doing, what they can do for you. You say maybe it's best that you um, speak to Vizara. And Vizara comes in to talk to you guys once again and just says, I see we have brought more toys for me to look at. What is it now? Incontrovertible proof of Demir involvement. Oh, there is a fifth. And what have you brought me? She's not really mad or agitated with you. She's just really tired that yesterday, you know, several days ago, she was probably examining lichen and now she's having to save lives and ruin others. Could we move to a secure room? Something that can be locked down if needed? With the one you're trying to detain or with all of these? Or? I would like to not separate anything we're taking. Okay. Uh, I would like this conversation. I would love everything to be in the custody of these things. She asks what the nature of the visit is. Is this like security? Is it medical? Is it- All of the above. We have all of the above. two different problems, both of which we need Simic scientists to look at, but okay. we need to do it in a facility where should there be a contaminant, it can be contained, and should our suspicions about one of the bodies be true, we can capture it. Okay, so you, you see her, um, she asks you, Parix to just quickly assemble a couple sentries that you trust. Great. Or those that you know or think are capable. It's not really a loyalty are my, issue. Are my just, merfolk back to health? Um, that I was no, but with? there are other merfolk around. Right. There, I mean, you yourself are not merfolk, but there right. are people. Just could you please go grab a couple guards to come help us? For sure. And then she says, um, I am going to grab Dr. Mayer, who is going to assist us in this examination. Is and that she, like horse or mayor? Uh, M-E-R. Thank you. But she pronounces it mayor. Um, and she's going to just sort of go grab a, a Simic Elven doctor who um, is an older, by elf standards, so a man of wise and years, but you can see that he has sort of a, a bunch of sort of metal apparatus on him to probably kind of help his body function in the way that he wants to do some support struts, kind of a collar around his neck so that he can probably still maintain a, an upright position for the long hours of medical work that he needs in surgery. So um, the, the cluster of you are brought uh, downstairs to one of the lower floors. Things power-wise seem to be kind of operating again, um, and you get taken into um, a larger operating room um, where it has enough space for the bodies to lie down and everybody to stand. And um, Vizara kind of like, uh, Vizara lets Dr. Mare kind of take over. And he just kind of looks to all and he's, 
Yes. And uh, what are we looking at here? You have the unique opportunity to examine the organic and biomechanical modifications of Dimir operatives of two varieties, one oh. of which we have previously observed on the Boros line leading back to the 34th precinct of the Boros Legion. I see. The other seems to be entirely novel, at least to me. So the first thing he does is he kind of walks over to the two elven twins. The, the feral. Yes, the feral twins. The the former concierge elven twins from down at the lobby who are now turned to some sort of feral creature. It takes him all of about five seconds. He kind of looks over, looks into the eyes, examine the claws, kind of do this. He goes, oh, yes, pretty standard uh, vampiric corruption. Uncommon, but uh, pretty obvious. You can see by the dilation of the eyes and this sort of uh, spontaneous claw formation of the nails. Um, some poor, unfortunate, weak-minded fools came in contact with the vampire. They often populate the Demir Guild, and um, well, they get turned into this. They lose their minds, develop a ravenous. Not quite the zombies that you in the Undercity tend to construct yourselves, but along the same lines. How long does it take to turn something into this? Oh, it's almost instantaneous. It just takes a bit of a wave of the hand, a bit of mind magic that they're known for. Again, it's more weak-minded individuals. Uh, I can't imagine that I would ever be fooled by such a trick. Then at least one vampire was present at the train. Yes. Which means that Mr. Alfonso has been followed for quite some time. Yes, it's all very academic and a bit disappointing. The, I was expecting something unique. The second are two bodies, both in different states but with the same condition. Uh, besides the obvious uh, physical maladies, uh, mm. we found that there was a plug and still is in one of the bodies containing what our colleague describes as a smoke. Upon releasing that plug, we found inside, and I produced the Demir patch. Ah, he goes, oh, interesting. Very generous of you to bring them in two different states, so I might compare. And again, he kind of has some tools that are partly attached to his apparatus. Some he's just kind of holding in his hands in his long, spindly elven fingers. Um, and he kind of leans down and begins sort of examining the cavity of the woman who is unplugged. And without much consideration or <laughs> ethical determination, just sort of starts sticking long metal things inside of there and switching around and um, a little bit of salve here and a little bit of examination there and a little bit of data coming there. And he goes, oh, yes, very interesting. Uh, no internal organs, no circulatory system, nothing that normally is needed to keep a human alive. And um, you said she was mobile, automated? She was charming our comrades to sleep and was actively engaged in combat with us. Oh, so she was uh, commanding her own magical spells, not... Uh, puppet to the vampire's activities. She was making her own autonomous decisions. In fact, when the vampire was killed by our other colleague, she proceeded to run. Oh, and did not simply cease moving. No. Interesting. And when this one self-terminated, the uh, smoke that exited this one aperture seemed to be a substance that was perhaps piloting the body to begin with. Ooh, self-termination device, yes. How very demure you would expect. They are a guild of secrets first and foremost, are they not? Better to die than give up any information. And this, uh, this young man here still has his plug intact. He does, if it can be properly described as a 
he. Dr. Mayer asks um, some of the other medical staff on hand to sort of bring over some device and they sort of open a couple of crevices in the wall and it's clear that is um, some sort of uh, vacuum that they are going to create. Um, and they sort of bring this sort of spongial tube um, that sort of looks like a like a flower puckering its lips kind of down over the facility. It's all very strange here in the Simic Combine. Um, and they they sort of wheel this uh, this cart that has the young Demir male on it over to the thing. And he, um, with really no concern for his own safety, but at least a momentary concern for yours, Dr. Merrick kind of steps over with his long spindly fingers and says, um, Master Biomancer, if you would do me the kindness of just standing back for a moment. And then he loops a finger underneath one of the plug and with a little more effort than is needed from an older elven male, he just sort of pops it. And uh, much as you've seen inside of the apartment, um, a black sort of smoke and dust escapes and just sort of leaks out of this man. You can see his chest cavity sort of decompress slightly as uh, as the plug wound just sort of exhales like a long exhausted breath and just <sighs> this sort of ash dissipates out from into him and is immediately vacuumed up into whatever this apparatus is that they have hanging from the ceiling. And you can see this sort of... Uh, you know, it's not glass, but it's sort of a clear filament bobble um, inflate with whatever this gas is. And then the doctor seems very excited about everything and examines it for a brief moment before um, the excitement very quickly kind of leaving his face as he thought he might have actually seen something really interesting today and really didn't see anything quite at all. As you kind of watch the smoke just sort of dissipate within the orb itself and disappear. And he just kind of looks at all of you and goes, hmm. Well, that was a bit disappointing, to be honest with you. Um, it's nothing more than an essence. It is not itself a pilot. It is intended to simply dissipate upon death, um, perhaps carrying a bit of memory with it in the hopes that wherever that gas ended up, it might uh, relay a message whatsoever. But as you can see now, it's dead and its message is gone. And I'm sorry to say, but you have two uh, unfortunate vampire lackeys here before you. Is the Dimir patch inside the other cavity as well? Oh, let me take a look. And he kind of fidges in there with some things and pulls out a very similar leather patch. So I immediately take it in my hand and ritual identify mm -hmm. just to make the, the, the symbol appear. Yeah, it's the same thing that you saw before. You kind of rub it with your fingers and you realize that it's just sort of like this thin ash filament and you work it for a couple minutes until eventually the, um, the uh, scarab blue and black House Demir clan symbol is visible. Is there any way to tell what it's a memory of? Is it of the original body that they are taking over? Is it the vampire that turned them? What are they, what were they emulating? Oh, these things are really not very complicated, to be honest with you. Simply probably, here's where we were, here's who we were fighting. Please don't send help because my life is meaningless. And would the message be something, I mean, we've lost it now, but would the message have been something that could have been important to someone receiving it? Oh, no, I think you're putting too much weight on these sort of things. I have experienced mere magic in a rather unsettling way. Um, messages that need to be sent of great importance. There's 
many other spells. I I've seen instances where people have recovered items for us to examine, and they are literal thoughts that are just hanging out in the streets like a discarded piece of trash. This is simply the essence and the personality of whoever was inside of this, and now it's gone because these are demir agents, and life is worth much less than information, much the way that we consider it, honestly. Is there anything we can gain from these bodies to track it back to a source? Well, I think the greatest of importance that I've been able to help you with is that you have vampire activity. You said you have experienced uh, these instances before, my elven friend? Once before, it was uh, the former security personnel of one Mr. Alfonso, and uh, a swarm of them erupted from the train and fled into the city. We can only assume that a vampire attack took out the security personnel in the first place, the few individuals that stayed behind to combat us were put down in short order. Oh, and you experienced this within Mr. Alfonso's apartment? Yes. Oh, well, terrible tragedy, I suppose, in his eyes. It seems like he's been having some sort of vampire interference, and he's probably very grateful you happen to be on hand. Shame about his former security team, though. I hear they were quite effective. Not effective enough. Is there anything more that I can offer you, gentlemen? Doesn't feel like we have. We have all we. We have all we came to find out. Came for really. I but. guess I suppose we could ask Vizara if there's been any new uncoverings involving what was jettisoned to the bottom of the floor. There have not. Well, Great. There, <laughs> it is. It is. It is worth asking, and I don't know if there's an expedient way to do this. How to lift the lockdown, short of killing whatever it is. That's for sure. Attack. If we can't lift the lockdown until the thing is dead, then we need to talk about how the hell we get to fight. How we do that. Great. While you guys consider that, we will jump back to the Izzet Research Facility. And now, a quick word from one of our sponsors. You know, folks, blank walls can be pretty boring. So why not spruce up your home or office by heading over to ukiyopop.com. They have a collection of traditional Japanese prints inspired by today's comics, games, and movies. The gallery is viewable online for free, and prints are available for purchase. So head over to ukiyopop.com. That's U-K-I-Y-O-P-O-P.com. Tradition in a modern method. And now, back to the party. So the uh, three of you are wandering back through this visit research facility, encountering all manner of people who are crazy and crazies who are probably intelligently smart. Um, before you sort of culminate into what is the center of the facility, where they are monitoring and distributing all of the power that this hydroelectric power plant is generating. And there seems to be people on hand, uh, not just of the it, but there also seems to be some people on hand of um, some merchants, some lobbyists, some regulators. This is sort of a, hey, we have a bunch of power, where is it going type facility. And as you guys are walking through, you can hear Lufala continuing to grumble about Malthus Reed in this sort of exacerbated dump of all of her thoughts about the man. And there's a lot of words I'm not going to say on this podcast because they're just vulgar. But um, <laughs> you do get to hear the, the, the majority of the theme of her rage is that the fact that she was expecting to take the role of master researcher. And she was in this position expecting to have it because the man she was working for, who was the head, was intending to retire. And then out of nowhere, after that goes, the position was not offered to her. The minute it was vacated, word came down that 
master researcher Malthus Reed, a man who was kind of well-known within the Izzet within certain circles, was just gifted this position after he just asked the Firemind. And there's a great deal of jealousy in there. He's like, man, if I knew the Firemind and I was friends with the Firemind, I bet I could get whatever I asked for too. And he doesn't even care about hydroelectric power. What is he even doing? Malthus Reed was a master researcher with the College of Spatial Recombination and Teleportation. What the hell does he care about hydroelectric power? And he doesn't care about hydroelectric power. He just marches his fat ass down here because his research funding gets cut and he just wants another cushy position. And this one was vacated. So no, sorry, Lufala, for 11 years of dedication and research. Sorry for being a master of hydroelectric power. Let's just offer this position to our buddy Malthus Reed because, hey, I have tea with the fire mine and nobody talks to the fire mine. So people pretend they know the fire mine. Oh, yeah, I know the fire mine. You don't know the fire mine. Nobody knows the fire mine except for like three people. And it's all just bullshit. And we're here. Well, thank you for that. My mom gave my brother extra cookies once. Look, I'm a sorry Boro soldier, but this is probably way over your head, and I really have no interest in entertaining your elementary discoveries. As for you, Azorius, whatever you need, please ask of me. I am willing to comply, and I do not want it interpreted in any way that we are not going to work with the Azorius because I will not have a criminal investigation over my head to give somebody an excuse not to give me Master Researcher as a title. Please explain to me what I'm looking at. Oh, so you just see this massive, like, 20 by 20 foot display. And what you see is actually a major chunk of Ravnica. It is not just the compound that you guys are in. So you see basically a city grid of the parts of Ravnica that this power plant happens to funnel out into. Um, Part of the Izzet Guild's responsibility is public work. So the maintenance of sewer lines while the water is actually the responsibility of the Simic, um, electrical power, um, utilities, that sort of thing. And this uh, grid obviously is sort of like where all that power is going. And you can kind of hear the chitter and chatter of people around who are sort of, it's almost strangely like a stock exchange as there are people from different guilds and non-guild aligned there sort of chatting with different people, lobbying, paying bills, trying to uh, negotiate different power to be converted to different places here or saying that we kind of need more here. What does it take for us to get priority in a power outage? It's all just sort of a massive stock exchange mess, but it makes sense to like everyone. Um, Xenia, would you please give me an intelligence roll with advantage? It's interesting that he was fixated on this particular equipment because the item in question was found at the bottom of the Simic well. So, Landry. Yes. With your intelligence roll, there's something kind of peculiar about this light-up display that you are taking a minute to kind of sink in. There's something strange about this, and you need a second to find it. Eddie, as you're kind of conversing with uh, Lufola here, she exposits a little bit more about what the issue was with Malthus Reed. And, you know, she explains that he used to just come down here and just stare at this thing all the time. And she's spoken to all the people who work here, 
and aggravatingly, he had no idea how this worked. The man was not prepared for his job whatsoever, was only master researcher. I mean, he is a master researcher level, but he held this position in title only. But no matter how many times he came down here and talked with them and had them explain it to him, he never seemed to learn. So it was very confusing why he would keep coming down and ask them things like, oh, can you show me what that thing does again? Or what if you pressed that thing over there? And they kept asking him to manipulate the thing, but it was just sort of a weird waste of questions. He really had no respect within the facility. Was there any aspect of this machinery that he was most interested in? Well, the the grid only does one thing. It just displays where our power is going and assigns where that power is going. Hmm. But from my understanding, he never touched it himself. He kept asking other people to do it for him because he claimed ignorance on how it works. Fascinating. Is there any way, um, is there anything on the grid that indicates more power going in one particular direction? Yes. Yeah, so strangely, what you are seeing, um, and because your college is what? You are electricity and storms? Yes. So that's your focus. So it's probably because of that science that you happen to see something going on that people from hydroelectric power distribution aren't. And that is, there are very minute momentary blips of power channels going to various places, but they are random. So it's almost like, like um, when you see some of those electrical toys that crackle, where it's just like, like little pieces of electricity, but it's there's no way to predict it because it's arcing in particular areas. So as you look on a map, you might see that from the power plant to like 40 miles away, there's a strange arc for like anywhere from half a second to three seconds. And because the map is so big and it's not sort of a dedicated channel where these massive power conduits are going, it's just like a tiny arc over here and then another random tiny arc over there and then a third random tiny arc over there. And it's very consistent. It is like a crackling of micron thin power arcs happening all over the city that nobody monitoring this for any type of consistency would even notice. Would I know if there's any connection between that kind of power arcing and potentially teleportation? Um, well, there are people here to talk with. There sure. are fellow scientists in the room, fellow people to discuss with. As of right now, it is very clear to you yes. that you are the only person who sees this. Oh, okay. So it's a, like there is no way anybody in this facility have ever pieced together what is happening. So are there, there are people here to discuss and people here to talk to about it. It's just a question of how you want to go about that, what information you want and what information you don't want to let know that you've found if any if any. Oh, okay, okay. um lufla i'm curious um i know that you're incredibly busy obviously but with very important things but i don't know if you have noticed these concentrations these pinpoints of electricity jumping these blips jumping randomly over the map it doesn't seem like any workers here are paying much attention to it so um as you say that she kind of starts looking and because it's so random, because you're like, do you happen to notice that? Well, I mean, that part, well, like not that part, but now it's over <laughs> here. Like, how do you, how do you make somebody's attention focus? But there is sort of a small goblin monitoring the things and focusing the crows and just goes, oh, second researcher, take a step back, take a step back. Just, 
just taken in as a whole and, oh, she's right. Look at this here and look at this there and look at this here. And Lufala's eyes kind of roll around in separate directions inside of her head as she's going, where is that coming from? What is the leak? What is all that? What is, what is that? And with a little bit of assessing, everybody kind of monitors the the grid and looks in and says, well, it's not, it's not really a massive output. It's really only enough to power like a small building. It's not enough to like do anything. I don't know that it would really constitute as a leak. It just seems to be arcing to random intervals into this chunk of the city. And it's all over the map. It's not in like a sort of concentrated area. Um, so it is all located within the reach of this particular power grid. Ah. Um, give me an, um, give me an investigation check with advantage. Okay. 15. A 15. You think, whatever this is, it is incredibly complicated because you're now realizing that you're attempting to ascertain random placement, which for an is it is probably super exciting, but at the same time, you're like, I have to predict randomness, which is a complete betrayal of that concept. But with some time, you might be able to narrow down some chunks and perhaps with a little bit of information, or a little bit of help, you might be able to find some sort of predictable randomness to what is going on. It's just going to take you a little bit of time and focus. Yeah, because it, quite honestly, it seems as though this could be what Malthus read him. If he wasn't, if he didn't have a hand in making these blips occur, maybe him staring at this particular power display was him tracking it as well. Possibly. Uh, I would love to take some time to stare at it. That sounds something very fun to me. Okay. So for the other two of you, as far as what needs to be done in this facility, Xenia is asking for a little bit of time to kind of be left in here to examine this and study what is going on here because she thinks she might be able to find out a pretty big missing piece as to Malphus Reed's movements and and his uh, his focus. Um, so for now, the appropriate thing for you guys to do would be to head back over to the Zonnet and try and uh, sync up with the people there and learn what you could have about that crazy vampire that you uh, dropped like a bad habit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, after another brief period of time, is say it'll take you somewhere after lunchtime. Um, for you guys to kind of sync up. Uh, the people at the Zonnet will provide everyone with food as you guys get there, and the four of you who are not Xenia um, get a chance to kind of link up together and share some information that you've learned. Fabulous. Malthus Reed was an expert in teleportation. Yes. And one half of Mr. Alfonso's train ended up On where? a different line. As if it had been teleported. I'm going to hazard a guess and say that's not in... Uh... I'm going to completely blank on whatever that word is. So Natural coincidence. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> going to hazard a guess and say that uh, is not a coincidence. I would also hazard a guess as someone who does not spend any time in the technological arts, but I would hazard a guess that teleportation requires a great deal of power. And I would guess that this facility generates most of the power in the city. So we have to ask ourselves one question. How long has Malthus Reed been working for the Demir? And in what capacity? Or how long has Malthus Reed been controlled by the Demir? Or, or how long has someone been assuming the identity of one Malthus Reed? Oh, you took my question. Sorry. That's okay. Master Biomancer Vizara saunters in and uh, joins your conversation halfway through and says, Or how long has Malthus Reed been employing the Demir? We are talking about a master researcher here. 
he would have been in possession of a quite brilliant mind. Not to put too fine a point on it, but could you contact the Demir as someone at Master Reed's level? Given the state of the quarantine, I don't think that's possible. And from a professional standpoint, I'm sorry to say that I refuse. What that would do to a merwoman in my position professionally would be irreparable, even in the face of the ensuing catastrophe. Could you point us in the direction to contact them ourselves? She rather sarcastically kind of just points a finger everywhere. The house Demir had been a secret for over 10,000 years by their own device. They're not very easy to contact. How do we lift the quarantine? For what purpose? To resume natural city, to bring us back to a sense of normalcy. What would it take to reset both the Izzet hydropower and the pumps sending out to the rest of the city and to get this city off of lockdown? I mean, the Zonet. The current issue at hand is the water contamination. It will take several days of testing to determine whether or not the people of Ravnica do in fact have safe water to drink. My number one priority is making sure that crisis you sent to the bottom of the well is no longer a threat. However, if it is such an emergency that you leave this quarantine, I do have one idea. It may be possible, but it comes with a great deal of risk. And my professional career must be staked on more than simply wanting to have a chat with the spy guild. Stopping the Golgari incursions, an offer I've made previously. Yes, escaping through the Golgari invasion tunnels may be the only true way out. Where is your fifth? She's currently taking a look at the uh, the power grid within the Izzet facility to see what master researcher Reed may have been investigating. It seems his expertise was in teleportation. So it's very possible whatever he was researching was responsible for the division of Mr. Alfonso's train. I see. And given his repeated contact with the Demir, it seems possible that the Demir have used his expertise to deploy agents where they might need them. My concern now turns to those leasing land from me. Are the is it something I need to be concerned about? I have heard the name Malphus Reed, although I do not believe I've met him personally. The only contact at the Izzet I know is a Lufala Sen. She seems entirely dedicated to the Izzet and her research. And while not very understanding of people from other backgrounds, doesn't seem to be much of a threat. I would say for now, if you could find a credible reason for investigating this Malphus Reed, I would be willing to risk the Golgari Tunnels. My advice for you is to reconnect with your fifth companion, formulate a plan, and then report back here. It seems, Devkarin, the time has come already for me to call upon that favor you owe me. Let me know precisely what you need. Are you going to give us the ability to breathe underwater? No. <laughs> so, so um, Landry needed some time to kind of investigate what they're doing. You guys now seem to have a game plan. There seems to be at least some arrows that are all starting to converge in the same direction. Right now, you guys need to know where to go for the information you are seeking. The four of you march your way back to the Izzard facility. 
since the very large and very authoritative people have already seemed to have cleared their way past that disgruntled old goblin who works at the front desk, it takes zero effort for you guys to get led back into the research uh, facility where you do find Landry scurrying away with notes and calculations and talking to four different goblins simultaneously. between a few pins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just uh, going at this thing. question mark? And she's got... Uh, <laughs> She's got her tie loosened and her hair's unfurled and she's smoking her fifth cigarette into her seventh <laughs> cup of coffee. And she's like, I know there's a connection here somewhere. Why do I have a name? <laughs> Why do you have a name tag that says Charlie Day? Nah, you see, it's is it that's Tezzy backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you are getting, you are getting the full show of what actual is it research looks like. That stereotypical psychotic contemplation is on full on display. Uh, Zenia is muttering to herself and she, out of the corner of her eye, sees the four of you approaches and she's talking to you, but not really. And she's like, hey guys, how's it going? What did you learn? What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm looking at this thing right now. What's going on? We Where's... didn't learn much. Oh, and please take some inspiration for that because that's awesome to me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> we did not learn much. We learned that the Demir are capturing their lackeys using vampiric corruption. We uh, have been given an option to get out of the quarantine zone in order to investigate this further, but we need to be able to give Bizarra a ironclad reason as to why, and we are hoping you might have discovered one. Why, 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 She just keeps repeating that to herself. Do I, what, have I found anything out? Give me another intelligence roll. With advantage, please. Oh, well, uh, 14. A 14. I would say that after enough time, a 14 is good enough that you have developed a hazy idea of a predictable pattern. So what you have discovered that if you had access to, there are a couple of locations out there that have a higher probability of arcing. So where the exact pinpoint location maybe not quite so easy. You imagine that if you guys got together and if you took a bit of a gamble and you marched to an area on the map based on your calculations that you think might pan out, that you may be able to locate where this arc of energy is landing for the brief moment that it is. So here's a really fun game that we can play. If we find potentially this location, we search for this one, we might be in the possible location that it will occur. We wait for who knows how long, because I don't know who knows. How do we know? And we stand there for a really long time. It might just possibly happen. What? <laughs> Is there any form of consistency or structure to these aberrations? There, there's certainly enough that I sense that if we try and maybe guess that we could potentially be in the right place. Great. Uh, what? Is there a cause that you can ascertain? No, all you know is that um, this, is, this is a hydroelectric power plant and as psychotic as the is it can be sometime, everything does have sort of a dedicated channel. It's just what happens at the end of that channel might lead into exactly what you predicted or an explosion. But the, the setup is always incredibly organized. Mm -hmm. And what you have with a power plant is you have power on a grid right. that is traveling to intended locations through controlled intervals. 
on pathways and infrastructure. Sure. And what she is seeing is random arcs of energy that are not traveling through a grid. They're not passing through an infrastructural situation. It's just imagine if from the power plant to a tree in the park, there was some sort of arc of power for half a second to 10 seconds. Right. No, I understand right. that. My question is, that would imply that something in this facility is causing that. Correct. But because everything is being output through the grid, there is no way for anyone to determine what could be leaking that energy because there's only one way out. And uh, could we, by any way, ascertain that these random aberrations have anything to do with a, well, I don't know, electrical line of railroads that are being built through Ravnica? Logic. So Lufala <laughs> like turns to you with just that slow turn of disdain that just says without saying it, look, fish man, don't, you guys are scientists, air quotes. She doesn't say it out loud. I'm sorry, you I was asking are, You guys are scientists, but you dissect frogs like in grade school. We're dealing with actual physics here. That's just kind of the idea that gets to the thing. And she says, the rail line is one dedicated path. I think I'd know if there was energy traveling down that path because there's a line that signifies this path. And it looks like, according to me, I don't know to your fish eyes, but to me, that's a pretty consistent stream of power. The only way that power could arc off a grid from here to there is if somebody is literally like teleporting power from one place to another. I told you she wasn't pleasant. Just a quick point. You did not discover this problem. It took our friends. So I would remind you that your science is severely lacking. I don't do science. <laughs> Was he there does, a, another thing there? Nope. He does justice. <laughs> I, just, I don't do science. <laughs> Quite honestly, I've been doing a lot of what you guys wanted to do without any hint of an explosion potential, so I would really love to go see what could possibly happen to us. Well, that's horrifying and the best idea I've heard all day. So the plan is you guys need to get outside the compound and blindly follow Xenia to a random location <laughs> of her determination. And to the five of you, this makes the most <laughs> logical sense. And with great reservation, the remaining four of you realize that as crazy as she might be, somehow this might make sense to her and it will never make sense to you. So the best option as of right now is to return to Vizara and see if she can offer you a way out of the quarantine. And what are the closest uh, coordinates for any one of these power spikes? Um, you won't know till you get outside. As the secrets behind Malthus Reed and the orb continue to unravel, you formulate the best plan you possibly can, making your way back to Zonid 4 for one final time. Your only compass in this maze of mystery is one half-crazed scientist and her unpredictable intuition. On the next Encounter Party, our players are hot on the trail of Malthus Reed, unlocking the reason behind his tenure at Zonet 4. Their ace in the hole is their companion Xenia, trusting that she may have the possibility to blindly select a random location which may hold a clue to some unknown thing. 
Will Ravnica fall to the roll of a die? Find out next time on Encounter Party! Encounter Party is produced by Play Plus One and Charging Moose Media, based on the worlds of Dungeons and & Dragons and Magic the Gathering created by Wizards of the Coast. Edited by Ned Donovan, mixed by Josh Samuels. Original sound effects and sound capture by Will Malones. Theme music by Alexander Nakarada of Serpent Sound Studios. Additional music by Serge Narcissoff and Darren Curtis. Special thanks to Megan Judkins and Will Malones. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So I've got to go fast because there's a dagger being held to my throat. I don't understand most of this, but subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, join us on the book of faces, whatever that means to you. There's Twitter as well. There's Instagram, apparently. And for news and updates, go to EncounterParty.com. I hope that made sense to you. It made zero sense to me. Can I live now?